0: Turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I've got numerous scriptures today, Then some of them I'll probably just read to you, uh, because they're, most of them are kind of short. Uh, the title of the message is, The Lion and the Lamb. And this may end up being more than uh, just one part, this is going to be part one definitely, obviously, obviously you can't start at part two, but uh, but today what I really want to talk about is the lamb, uh, so maybe next week we can talk about the lion, but, um, so what is so important about the lamb, and you know, I want to make sure everybody's on the same sheet of music before we get it started so that everybody knows what I'm talking about. Uh, I don't want anybody left behind, especially from lack of knowledge. So, the lamb, when it's talked about in, in the Bible, is um, in the New Testament especially, when they talk about the lamb, they're talking normally about Jesus. And this all goes back to uh, Old Testament times. Even from the beginning of time in Genesis, uh, lambs were sacrificed... To atone for sins, and um, the the lamb as a sacrifice pointed to what Jesus was going to do. It's symbolic of not only his life, but for what he did on the cross, the sacrifice that he made. You know, lambs were not chosen because this was one we could we can we can spare to lose because this is a it's got a problem with it, so we don't mind getting rid of that one. No, the lamb had to be, uh, in order to properly atone for sins, it had to be uh, one without spot or blemish. There couldn't be anything wrong with it. In fact, you went and you chose the best possible lamb you could find. That was the one you used to sacrifice to God to, to atone for any sin in you or your family's life. It's by the shedding of blood that, that there is remission of sin is what the Word says. Now, you know, we're fortunate today that we don't have to keep a bunch of lambs around to sacrifice. We're fortunate today that we don't have to wait for a high priest to first take care of his own sin and then make a sacrifice for us. We don't have to worry about that. And that what I want to tell you about today is, is the significance of the lamb. Why is it so important? You know, if you look at Abel in the book of Genesis, Cain and Abel, you've probably all heard that story back in Sunday school, how Cain and Abel both brought sacrifices to God. And God was pleased with Abel's sacrifice, but He wasn't pleased with Cain's. And you know, when I was a kid, I had a hard time understanding, you know, Cain was a farmer. He was a gardener. He, He brought what he had to sacrifice. And I thought, well, he brought what he had. Why isn't that good enough? Well, listen, the the principles were already laid down. And in his disobedience, he brought something that that could not atone for his sin. Do you understand that? In fact, it was a slap in the face of God because that lamb sacrifice was a picture of, Of Jesus. And when He tried to do it another way, what does the Word say? The Word says that there is not but one way. It's through Jesus Christ that that we are able to come to the Father. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by Me. So when Cain took it upon himself to say, I'm not going to bother with this lamb, I'm going to bring some fruits and vegetables. God wasn't pleased with it. Because that was not the, the the precept that he had laid down for him. What did Abel do? If you look back in the book of Genesis and it's uh, chapter four and verse four, it says he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And if you do a little bit of reading, you'll find out when they say the fat, they're talking about the best. This is the the. The cream of the crop. He went and he picked the best stuff he had and brought it to sacrifice. Now let's start reading there in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. For He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin. What did I just tell you? I told you that lamb had to be perfect. You know, there's been many people that have lived good lives. You even look at some of the, the prophets back in the Old Testament time. They lived a good life. You might go as far as to say they were righteous to some extent but they're not perfect. They all had a flaw of some sort. But Jesus came and He lived a perfect life. You know why He did that? He didn't do it under His power as God. He, he laid down all of that. And when He came to this earth, He came in the same form that we have. He didn't maintain this... Um, level of superiority that allowed him to overcome all this stuff easily. You know, it wasn't just because he was God, it's because he came, he lived like us, with us, and he still overcame it. That's what made him able to be a sacrifice for us, because he lived a perfect life, without flaw, no blemish, nothing wrong with him. And you know, He came and lived, He lived a life, you know, you look at a lamb. Lambs are, they're kind of soft and sweet, that's how everybody thinks about them. They're kind of meek. Jesus lived a life, His life that He lived, not only the fact that He was perfect, but everything about Him is lines up with the characteristics of a lamb. This is a perfect picture that God painted for us. Now, I want you to get a, a real deep understanding of this today. This wasn't some knee-jerk reaction that God decided He was going to send His Son all of a sudden to, to help us out. I want you to see that. Because this, this process of, a, of sacrificing a lamb was given back in, and like I said, even in Genesis they did this. So this, this process was laid down way before. And I want to read you a verse in Revelations 13 and 8. It says, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship Him, whose, name, <clears throat> whose names are not written in the book of life, of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So when this world was formed, God knew, listen, He, he, he created people that had freedom to worship Him. We have the right to choose. We don't have to worship God. But He wanted people to worship Him because they wanted to. Because they loved Him. Because they had a desire in their heart to please Him. That's what He, that's what he wanted. He didn't want robots. He wanted somebody to want to be with Him. So He gave us the choice. But He knew when He gave us that choice that we were going to sin. He knew He had to provide a way that we could be redeemed. A way that we could come back into fellowship with Him. Because He knew we were going to screw it up. So when He created us, listen, this was all laid down. The the reason why uh, God told Moses that His name was I Am. There's a reason behind that. Nothing you see in the in the Bible is just done by by happen chance. When he said, I am, tell him that I am sent you. It speaks to his eternal nature. He has no beginning or end. Everything is right now. He doesn't he isn't held by the same constraints of time that we are. He's outside of that time. Barrier. So when all this happened, it all happened perfectly in order for Him. He knew that He wanted us to love Him. But He knew we would screw it up, sure as the world. So He gave us away. Now, in the meantime, until everything would be fulfilled and accomplished and all this prophecy, and then the prophecy fulfilled when Jesus came He gave another way, and that was sacrificing a lamb. But you know what? You look at it, it's a perfect picture of what Jesus came to do. Everything God does points to what's going to happen. So, this lamb is important. the things that made Jesus' sacrifice so much better than the sacrifice of a normal lamb is that He overcame death in the grave. And you never saw a lamb, after it's been sacrificed, get up and walk off again. Because listen, there's, there's something about Jesus that's a little different. Because being the Son of God... He has access to that, that realm that's, that's what we don't understand. There's power there. There's power over death in the grave. And the Word says that, that before He ascended into heaven, He first descended into hell. It says He led captivity captive. All those that had God before that, that didn't have an opportunity to receive Jesus as their Savior were waiting. They were held captive because they didn't have a way. Time had not yet permitted for the Savior. But He first descended into hell and He led captivity captive. He went and preached to those that were held captive and gave them a chance to accept what He had done. Understand that today. He did it for you whether you accept it or not. The price that you owe The debt you owe has already been paid. But if somebody came to you today and said, I bought you a new car, all you've got to do is go over to Lufkin to the dealership and pick it up. Do you realize that 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 car is not yours unless you go pick it up? Even though it's paid for. It's sitting there waiting. If you don't go pick it up, you will never take advantage of it. You will never see the benefits of it. It's the same way with salvation. There is no difference. Jesus paid that price. It's paid for you. All you've got to do is accept it. It takes some effort on your part. It takes a decision. You have to make a choice to say, I want it. I want to accept it. You know, I've probably preached before about what it means to be redeemed. You know, there was a time that, and I'll just, I'll just tell you again, if you've heard it, it ain't going to hurt you to hear it again, it'll probably help you if anything else. There was a time in Old Testament times especially that, that people were not only sold into bondage, but they were born into bondage. But there was always this chance that they could be redeemed. Somebody could, somebody could go and, and pay the debt that this family owed. That's usually how it happened. The family would somehow become in debt to someone else, a debt they couldn't pay. So because of that, they were in bondage. And they had to serve that master. What I tell you all a while ago, everything's a perfect picture. They were in bondage. They were in bondage because there was a debt they couldn't pay. Does that sound familiar? All of a sudden, it starts making sense, don't it? But listen, there was always this hope of a kinsman redeemer. Oh man, it just gives me chills to say that. The kinsman redeemer would come and what he would do is he would say, they're my family and I'm going to pay their debt. I'm going to pay the debt for them, and and because they're my family, I'm going to pay this debt, and they don't owe me anything. But you know, that person, as crazy as this might sound, could say, okay, my debt's been paid, but I really kind of like working for my master. I really kind of like where I'm at. I don't want to leave. That's the same way people are today. They look around at their life and first thing they say is, man, I hate the things I'm going through. I hate this existence. I hate being in bondage. But what they don't realize is the price has already been paid. They just don't want to accept it. They want to stay right where they're at because if they were to accept it, they couldn't feel sorry for themselves. They, couldn't, they feel like they couldn't do the things they want to do then. You see, there's a price to pay for sin. The Bible says that, sin, that even sin is pleasurable for a season, but the end thereof is death. So you see, we have a choice. Just as that kinsman redeemer paid the price for his family to be redeemed, Jesus Christ, our kinsman redeemer, paid a price for us that not only we couldn't pay, but that nobody else would. You know that tells you something about how Jesus and, and God the Father felt about us. He sacrificed, and look you know, I struggled with this for a while too. Why was it such a great sacrifice when when Jesus, the Son of God, knew when it was all over with? He was going to be right back in heaven with the Father. I never could understand that. You know what God showed me? It don't matter. It doesn't matter how big the sacrifice was to Jesus. The point is that it matters to us because it's something we couldn't pay. There is no way we could have ever paid that debt that we owe for our sin. But He could. So it don't matter. You think about this. If I owe $100, and, and that's $100 may be more money than I could ever imagine to have. And I owe that debt and I can't pay it. But Jerry makes $10,000 a month. To him, it ain't no problem to pay $100. And no sweat off of his back. It, it didn't hurt him at all to come and pay somebody's debt of $100. See, it don't matter what the sacrifice was to him. It matters to me, though, because I was in a place I couldn't get out of. I couldn't see the light. There was a point in my life when everything was greater than what I was because I was so low. But when I accept that payment, it don't matter to me. Listen, the last thing I care about is is how much it hurt God to make that sacrifice because I'm now brought to a place where I have an inheritance. I'm a child of God. It don't matter what it took to get me there. It's just that I'm there now. That's all that matters. Jesus came as a lamb the first time. He came to this world as a lamb. Because He paid such a great price... We can be continuously washed of our sins. You know, they had to sacrifice a lamb every time. Every time somebody messed up, man, we got to go kill another lamb. I don't know how they had that many lambs. I can just tell you all right now, I don't understand it. As many times as I know I sin, they had to just continuously be getting lambs from somebody else. I mean, I don't know. I don't understand how they were able to keep enough to cover their sin. But because of what Jesus did, we don't have to worry about that. I tell you what, that is a wonderful feeling to know that at any point in time when I mess up, not that I'm planning to, but that at any point in time I say, man, I did it again. Lord, just forgive me of it. And it's gone. Washed away. That's how great of a price he paid. Turn to Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25. Hebrews chapter 7:25 Wherefore he is able also to save them to the othermost. They come unto God by him seeing He ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such an high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. Y'all know what uttermost means? What does it say? It says, wherefore He is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by Him. Uttermost means extreme. Being in the furthest, greatest or highest degree. His one-time sacrifice did what no normal lamb sacrifice could have done. It saved us to the uttermost. You know, sometimes we just pass over some of these words. Because today, in this time, sometimes these words don't have such a significant meaning. But that's why I like to go look in the dictionary and find out what they mean. Because uttermost means extreme, it means the highest degree. It means you you couldn't do it any better. That's how how wonderful He saved us. How, How great He saved us. We no longer have to live a life of bondage. You know, Jesus came the first time as a lamb. He came meek and humble. He came... Willing to sacrifice himself. But there's going to come another time when he returns that he's going to come as a lion. If you look in Revelations, you'll see, uh, it's in chapter 5, you'll see it talks about the lion of Judah and the lamb that was slain. And it's amazing to me that, that God would use those terms to talk about the same person. Never in any other place would you see a lion and a lamb used to to talk about the same person. But Jesus came as a lamb. You know, He could have came like the Jews expected. They, ex- they were expecting a lion. They were expecting somebody to come and, and conquer and, and to take back what was theirs on this world, this physical thing. That's what they were looking for. But He came as a lamb first because He wanted us to be in fellowship with Him. You know, it's amazing to me that the same God that created everything, that the same God that universes just drip from his fingertips, that he can just speak and put things in motion and, and speak things into existence. The same God that, that built this entire existence that we live in cares about me personally. That blows my mind. You know, I have a hard enough time keeping up with my five, me and my four. I have a hard enough time with that. I I can't understand how a God that just keeps track of everything, He knows not only how many stars are in the heavens, but He knows how many hairs are on your head. He He does all of that. He still cares about you. And that's why He sent His Son. Now I know a lot of y'all probably say, yeah, I've heard all this before. There may be somebody here that hadn't. I don't know. You know, the title of the Sunday school lesson this morning was, Oh, what a Savior. It's easy to say them words and not understand what they mean. I want you to understand today the significance of the Lamb. You know, God could have said, well, I want you to sacrifice a horse. Or He could have said, I want you to sacrifice a cat or a dog or... Or whatever. Why did he pick a lamb? Because that lamb was a picture of Jesus. He, he picked a lamb because, in fact, he probably designed the lamb to be a picture of Jesus. That's just the way God works. He, he can see outside of things that we can't see. His ways are higher is what the Word says. So he picked that lamb to be a picture of Jesus. You know that's how we know God's word is his word. Because if you, you know, it's hard for us to understand sometimes how how this book wasn't all written at the same time. Understand that there's a span of over 6,000 years in time from when this book was written from beginning to end. They weren't, it wasn't all written by the same person on this earth. It wasn't all written at the same time. It was a long time between books sometimes. But when you see all of these little things, this is a one little example I'm giving you today about the Lamb, and you see how in the book of Genesis, it pointed to something in the New Testament 4,000 years later. That tells you it's God's Word. It confirms itself. You'll find no other book that can do that.